All right. All right, I'll pray, and then uh, we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here this morning. I pray that you'd be with all those folks who are not here, whether they be sick or traveling. Uh, please bless our discussion today, and uh, please make it productive, and give us a good worship service later on as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I am... I think most people were here when I was talking last time about the uh, historical context of Ezra. It was Ezra and Haggai, I think. And um, I'm going to kind of review some of that and go a little further into more of the historical context of the, the kind of rest of the Old Testament and leading up to Jesus. So that's where, that's kind of where I'm going to go. Um, and We'll look at a couple themes at the end there, but I want to talk about a little bit of that timeline again uh, to review and then go further and then talk about a little bit of things that happened in the New Testament. So um, last time we, we started with a couple of these large uh, countries that had a lot of, uh, had kind of a major impact on the, the last handful of books in the Old Testament. Um, so we started with Assyria. <clears throat> we talked about how Assyria was the first major power to kind of come in and take Israelites off into exile. Um, and Dan actually mentioned the Samaritans last week uh, a little bit. And there, the, the story of the Samaritans kind of starts with Assyria because a lot of the, the ten northern kingdoms were, they were conquered. Um, Assyria took a bunch of them away, but then also uh, replanted a bunch of people from different places in Assyria and that was kind of their practice whenever they took over a country was to resupply the, the country they took over with some people from all over and that kind of gave that took all the leaders out of a country and then it mixed up all the religions and political powers so you didn't have like a strong presence there and that's where the Samaritans come out of so they're this kind of mixed intermarried you know group of people some Judaism is there some sort of Jewish blood with all sorts of people from all over um, that area. And um, that's kind of why later on the Jews really look down on them because they're, if you're thinking about like a pure blood Jewish race, they're, they're like a far offshoot of that. They've been, they've, they've got different places they worship and a lot of different blood from all over. So that's kind of the background for, um, <clears throat> That's kind of the background for the Samaritans. Um, but the Assyrians kind of do all that. They come in and they conquer sort of the northern kingdom, uh, 740 to 700. Uh, then you get the Babylonian era. So then we have Babylon, which is our next kingdom that comes in. That's Nebuchadnezzar the second. Nebuchadnezzar comes in in about 605. Um, and that's, we're actually going to, I'm going to come back and talk about Nebuchadnezzar because we're going to look at his dream of the, the statue, the, um, the statue that he has his dream of, that Daniel interprets, and kind of look at that as our context for the rest of the, uh, the history. Um, but we have Daniel in Babylon, um, 605 is when he goes there, and then uh, the next big date is kind of under Babylon is the fall of Jerusalem. So remember that was 586. It's fall of 
Jerusalem. Okay, so that's the big date. <clears throat> so Nebuchadnezzar's been in control for a while. Um, Zedekiah rebels, and that's when uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and finally burns Jerusalem to the ground. And we talked about that last time because I was sort of setting up the rebuilding of the temple. The rebuilding of the temple was um, kind of the focus last week. Um, so that happens after the Persians take over under Cyrus. So the Persian uh, kind of rule of this uh, of the whole area happens in 539 when Cyrus uh, conquers Babylon. <clears throat> Um, and you, we read about that in Daniel, I think it's five, when the writing on the wall happens. Bel, Belshazzar is the, is the king of Babylon, and there's the handwriting on the wall, and it says, this very night you will die, and the, the Persians are going to take over. And so that happens in 539, so that's important, and Daniel's in Babylon that whole time. Um, and then that's when Cyrus makes the uh, kind of the proclamation. He sends Israel a lot of the... the um, uh, Israelites home and they start rebuilding the temple uh, and that was a little bit again of the context for uh, for last the last discussion I had and you had Cyrus do that and then after him is Darius who's Darius the Great Cyrus the Great and Darius the Great uh, who says you know com complete the building of the temple um, <clears throat> And Cyrus is actually predicted in Isaiah 200 years earlier. Isaiah predicts that Cyrus is going to be, God's going to use this guy named Cyrus as an instrument for accomplishing his will. And then 200 years later, we see that when Cyrus tells him to go home and build the temple. And then Darius comes after him. Um, and then the temple is finally rebuilt in 516. So temple complete, we'll say. So this was this is the um, uh, from 586 the fall of Jerusalem when the temple's finally burned to 516 the temple completed is our 70 years okay so that's a key 70 years um, where the temple is destroyed in Israel um, does anybody know why there was 70 years yeah right. Yep. Yeah, so for about, so every seventh year, you were supposed to have a Sabbath year. And for 490 years, they didn't do that, which is 70. So they skipped 70 Sabbath years. And so then um, God came in, knocked everything down, took them out of the land, and the land had its Sabbath for 70 years to make up for it. And that's when the, the temple is rebuilt in 516. Um, yes, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah, there's the passage. What book is that? Where they the, the they say the, the old men were like weeping because it was it paled in comparison to the original. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. <clears throat> so then we're gonna jump to when Daniel's in Babylon. Um, he has his vision of the statue, and that's gonna take us further down the road uh, to our historical context. But I think that's pretty much kind of what we covered key dates. Assyria, Babylon, 605, didn't reign that long. The Babylonian history is not super long. Um, Cyrus Darius, and then we'll keep going.
All right. Okay, so we're going to go to uh, Daniel chapter 2, and I'll have somebody read. Daniel 2, we'll do 31 to 35. have that. 2, 31 to So, all right. So we have a head of gold. A head of gold. We have what? What else next? Chest and arms of silver. We have a chest and uh, arms, things, crosses and arms or something of silver. So gold, silver came after that. What was bronze? Not the legs. The belly and the thighs. So he's wearing like a tunic thing of bronze. Okay. And then legs of iron. But also the feet are what? Iron That's probably definitely what it looked like. Um, it's a tunic. It's like a. All right, all right, all right. I can't. I'm not going to add to it. It's going to look even worse. Okay. All right. So now let's get into the interpretation. So, uh, verse 36. Um, and remember, this is one where Nebuchadnezzar says. Uh, I want you, all you wise men, to interpret this. But he says, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to tell me what it is and interpret it. And that's when Daniel saves all the wise men. Um, Okay, so let's do uh, 36 to uh, 38. Can somebody read 36 to 38? Okay. 
So Babylon here is our head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar in particular. Um, all right, Ashlyn, can you keep going and do the next one? Okay, so Persia then. We have Persia here as silver. Persia, silver. Uh, and then a third, it says, uh, yep, a third kingdom of bronze shall rule over you. <clears throat> okay, so does anybody know who conquered Persia? Greece. Who in particular? Alexander the Great. Good. So Greece then. Greece. Say Greeks or Alexander the Great come in. They would be our bronze. And that happens in the 330s. Alexander the Great is in roughly the 330s. Um, and, and then we have the next one. Uh, Ashlyn, could you do the next one? Um, so Greeks rule for uh, quite a while, but it's a lot of mixed sort of city-states and things. Rome really takes over uh, in one, roughly 146 BC. Is at least when they kind of finally conquer the Greeks and Greece becomes part of the Roman Empire. So we have Greeks, uh, bronze, Rome. Now it's iron. Um, and then... Does it talk about the clay? Yes. Uh, keep going, Ashlyn. Okay, so, so that's still Rome, and um, I think there's some different theories about that. Um, but uh, one that seems to make sense to me is that the clay is the line of Herod. So Herod um, is kind of this king who rules over um, Israel during the, for, and his, the, the line, I think, rules for uh, roughly 100, 150 years. You have Herod the Great, and then his son, the Herod, I think. Um, and so that's kind of what people think uh, is the clay here. So Rome and then the Herodian line. Um, and the line of uh, the Herodian line actually comes from uh, their Edomites, which is interesting because that's um, those are the descendants of Esau. And that kind of takes you back. You have Herod trying to kill Jesus, right? And you have, you, and that kind of takes you back to Jacob and Esau, where you have Jacob, have I loved? Esau, have I hated? You have this kind of modern day representation of Esau here, uh, combating with Jesus and the line of Jacob. Um, so, anyways, that's something to kind of just a little side note there. But that's probably what the clay is. <clears throat> um, 
All right. Now we have what? We have what? Where are you, Ashlyn? What verse? Uh, 44? Okay, do you want to finish it up? 44 to, I think, just maybe 45. So then we have after Rome, we have the rock and the mountain. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so um, Rome, um, so Rome has been kind of ruling the world, obviously, right for a while now. Um, does anybody know? Let's see. So in uh, let's see, when Christ was born, so the Roman Empire starts in 27 BC. That's the first emperor. <clears throat> so when Christ is born, you have who? Who's the, the Caesar when Christ is born? No, remember? Caesar Augustus. He's the first Roman emperor, and he it rules from 27 BC to 14 AD. And then the second Caesar is who? No, he was a Caesar during um, when Jesus was crucified. Tiberius is the second Caesar. So then we have Tiberius. And he rolls, obviously, 14 to, I don't know, 40 something. What's that? Yeah, that's right, because he dies, and he had, like, a disease that, like, his flesh was eaten away or something, I think. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's Herod. Um, so so these are our two first, uh, first Caesars. The Roman Empire starts in 27. Before that, you had the Roman Republic um, for 500 years or so, and then you have the Empire, which starts the kind of the line to the, all the Caesars, um, and that's the context for this mountain, the rock or the mountain coming. So um, that is, uh, yeah, so we'll talk about those dates. All right, <clears throat> so that's our context leading up to Jesus, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greeks, Rome, and then the rock. And we're going to talk about the rock. What is the rock or the mountain? Christ, the mountain would be what? Yes, the church. Christ, Christ church. The Bible says um, we're all one body, right, united in Christ. So that's kind of the, the image. All right, so we're going to look at a couple passages from the Old Testament. Um, so I need a couple volunteers. Uh, we need Numbers 20, 10 to 11. Sam, grab Numbers 20 to 11. Um next Psalm 1831 Psalm 1831 
get it to uh, dawn. And then Isaiah 26.4, Clayton, Isaiah 26.4. And then one more, Isaiah 28.16 to 17. Anybody else need that? Josh, could you grab that one? Isaiah 28.16 to 17. Okay, so these are Old Testament passages looking at this theme of a rock. <clears throat> All right, uh, Numbers 20. right after um, leaving Egypt, right? Uh, Psalm 18. Okay. Isaiah 26. Okay. Uh, and then Isaiah 28. Josh. So, in the Old Testament, there's plenty of passages, especially in Isaiah, about God being our rock, right? And he's a rock that you need to believe in, okay? So, um, in the New Testament, right, you they should be familiar with this thing, right? That should be, that's pretty simple. Um, and then, again, we're going to see with Daniel that kind of, um, it's obviously staying with that same thing of God being the rock. The rock is... Um, what you have to build your house on, right? And believe in and trust in. Um, and then, so then, obviously, Jesus picks up on that a lot in his preaching and teaching. So we're going to look at a little bit of that. So um, <clears throat> some people, you obviously have some people who trust and believe in the rock and then some who do not. Um, so we're going to look at 1 Peter 2, 1 to 7, and I'll, I'll read this one. Um, all right, so... So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tested that the Lord is good, and you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, and then he quotes the passage in Isaiah that we just read, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's 1 Peter 2. Um, <clears throat> so here we see the image of these living stones, right? So this 
rock that we trust in, that we believe in, is not a dead rock. It's a living rock. It's a living stone. And we are joined to it when we believe, right? And that's why, that's how this mountain, this stone, this rock becomes a mountain. You take dead rocks, dead stones, they believe, and they become joined to this other rock. And now you have this big mountain that keeps growing and growing, full of living stones. Um, <clears throat> all right, so then what do living stones do? What do, what do living stones do? Um, one of the differences between a dead rock and a living rock is that the living rocks pour out water. And so we're going to look a little bit at that. Um, and again, thinking back to the Old Testament, right? Thinking back to the, the water of Meribah where the Israelites were complaining. Everybody should be familiar with that, right? The water coming out of the rock. Um, and then, and in the New Testament, John picks up on that a lot. Um, Right. Right. <clears throat> yep. Right. So he says, he's told to speak to the rock, right? And he hits it. And God says, well, you didn't have faith in me. You didn't trust in me. And so you don't go into the promised land. Right. Yep. It's a significant event. <laughs> right. <clears throat> right. Um, okay, so this is a so that the rock and the water is a is big for John, um, and last week, right, Dan preached on um, the Samaritan woman at the well and talked a little bit about this. Um, so we'll pick up a uh, pick up on a little bit of this, um, but the uh, and it kind of ties back too to Samar the Samaritans, right, who are this sort of rejected people. Um, but we're going to look at a couple passages in John now. So let's look at, we'll start with the uh, Samaritan woman. So John 4, 13 to 14. Can somebody grab that? John 4, 13 to 14. John. And then John 7, 37 to 38. John 7, 37 to 38. All right. Clayton. All right, Don, can you do that first one? Okay. And then Clayton, the next one, John 7. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood. All right, so that is, uh, that's, I think, that, that last John passage seems to kind of tie this thing together, right? Where we're living stones, right? We're united to Christ, building this mountain that's going to fill the earth. And as living stones, when we believe, out of us flows this living water. And that's how the world is. This world is renewed, and you make take that living water and that living water takes dead stones and makes them living stones and like 
uh, we saw in the Peter the passage in Second Peter, that is what builds this mountain, which is really kind of which should make us think about the temple. This, it replaces the temple, this mountain, which is the church, which fills the world. <coughs> Yeah, do you know where, what passage that is? Okay, right. Um, okay, yep. Yeah, is that Ezekiel 47, yep. Um, and then we also see, we also see a reference to that in Revelation when the, uh, the river flows from the throne of God, right? Um, and yeah, so we'll, we might actually have time to look at that. I think that kind of ties some things together too. All right, how are we doing? 920. Okay, so, all right, so that's where we're at. We got living stones, water pours out of them. Um, uh, Then let's, one of the last ones in John that I want to read is John 19, 31 to 37. John 19, 31 to 37. I can read this one. Um. All right, so I want to think about um, I want to think about how we how we um, like what are the things we do that um, is how we spread this water, right? How we how how does this water flow out of us? Okay, all right. So John nineteen thirty one to thirty seven. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you may also believe. For these things took place, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. None, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Um, so I think um, the crucifixion is an interesting kind of um, incident that ties a lot of these things together, right? Um, first, you have uh, Golgotha, where it happens, is this mountain or this hill outside of Jerusalem. Right, so it's not you have the temple on one hill in Jerusalem, and then you've got the crucifixion that has other hill. Um, <clears throat> you have Christ obviously being crucified on the cross, and um, Golgotha means skull, skull, and the cross is kind of driven into the skull, and you have the theme of the, the serpent's head being crushed. Uh, but then you have Christ on the cross, and he's um, he is uh, the soldier stabs him right, and water comes out rock water comes out of the rock and you have people a lot of people looking on and believing um, and I, so I think that's kind of that's kind of the um, uh, that ties a lot of it together where when the rock is broken that's death right that's dying you dying to self that's you picking up your cross right <clears throat> in obedience that's you dying that's the rock being broken and then the living water coming out of it so you have the death and then the living water coming out of it um, and that is the, that's kind of it um, for, um, yeah, for the rock and the water piece. Um, I think uh, 
we already talked about Ezekiel, which sort of ties a lot of this together. Um, the other thing is um, uh, you have the Garden of Eden, and then you have the New Jerusalem. And the Garden of Eden, we hear there's four rivers that flow out of the Garden of Eden, and that it's on somewhat of a hill or mountain. So we start with creation with this hill, this mountain, and water flows out of it, the four rivers, and they go to the four corners of the earth. Then you have the crucifixion, right, where you have the rock and water flowing forth. And then um, it's Revelation, I think, I'm not sure where in Revelation it is, but we have the throne and the water pouring forth from the throne. Yeah, Josh. Okay, do you want to read that for us? Uh, what's the what's the next verse? Is it? So you see there the uh, the water that is for the healing of the nations. Um, and that's what we're doing. That's what we as the church are supposed to be doing, right? <clears throat> are We're supposed to pour forth and heal the nations. All right. Any questions about any of that? That is all that I want to talk about. And it's 9.25. So any other questions? Anything? What about it? We're going to establish a question. What do you think? Jesus? Okay, so we have, a, we have a, a rock, a mountain that covers the whole earth. One covers the world. It's one government. Who's in charge of the one government? Who's in charge of the church? The head of the church. He sees Christ, so that, that would be one of Any other thoughts on that? What in particular is going on? Are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? That's not the. So we have, so we are promised, right, that the church will will grow and and take over the whole world. But then, obviously, you have secular secular humanist endeavors to try and 
accomplish the same thing, right? Because that would be, a lot of people think that's how you usher in world peace, right? Um, so that there's, again, yeah, there, that seems like that could be happening and it's not new and that, that's what people have tried to do uh, a lot. Um, yeah, that, that seems to make sense to me. Kind of see that right all through history. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. talking about something <clears throat> that's coming soon yeah it would be like we're in a two period of peace get ready for wars coming right right <clears throat> which we have Caesar Augustus Tiberius Tiberius we keep going down through our Caesars you have um, Nero Right, Nero's a famous, uh, famous one of the Caesars. I think he's actually the last of this family that's all tied to Julius Caesar. You have Nero, um, and he obviously is known for the persecutions of the church. He goes till 68. He goes to 68 A.D. And then you have this year of four emperors where you have emperor after emperor after emperor, civil war, civil war, civil war, um, and then a new family takes over, um, and that's Vespasian. 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 He takes over in 69, I think. Uh, his son is Titus. Vespasian is actually the general who rules Israel at this time. His son is Titus. Vespasian is called away. In, he starts kind of the um, destruction of Jerusalem, I believe. He starts the siege and starts it. But then you have this year of four emperors, and he gets taken away. Um, and Titus, his son, takes is, kind of rules the Middle East, uh, or at least Israel. And Titus is the one that finishes the conquest of uh, Jerusalem. So conquest... Uh, Jerusalem, and uh, then you have the Arch of Titus in Rome, which is him coming, which is what he they build for him when he comes back. And in it, you have the, uh, the spoils from the temple are there. You see the menorah; that's the famous one. You can see some one of the soldiers bringing the menorah in, uh, but that comes. That's Titus who does that. And yeah, that ties, that uh, kind of brings us to the conclusion of the history here. So, anyways, I think we're good. Probably six, whatever, 9.30. All right, good. Any, um, no final thoughts? I'll pray and then uh, we'll let the kids out. All right, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for teaching us uh, through your word and through the events of history. Um, we praise you for 
how you use um, the small day-to-day -day choices for your purposes, but also the larger movements of these nations to accomplish your will. Uh, thank you for having everything in control. Um, we pray that you go before us today. Bless the rest of this day and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.